0: Welcome to Why I Sew, the podcast where some of your favorite sewing personalities and rising stars share what motivates them to create using needle and thread. I'm your host, Jason Prater, and with me today is Eileen Roche, the founder and creative vision behind Designs and Machine Embroidery, a very popular embroidery magazine, and now, and for a long time now, line of embroidery products. I'm super excited to talk to Eileen, a longtime friend in this industry, and hear about why she sews. So welcome to the podcast, Eileen.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, Jason. It's always wonderful to connect with you. Yeah,
0: so glad you're here. And I know that most of our audience probably know who you are and watch you on a weekly basis and all of your wonderful instructional things that you do. But uh, for those that don't know who you are, maybe you could just give us a, a quick background and history of who is Eileen.
1: Well, you know, I'm just like my customer. I love to sew. And I started Dime because I love to sew. It really started as a newsletter a long time ago in the mid 90s. And from there, it has evolved into a full service or we really like to call ourselves this embroidery solution company. We provide thread stabilizer, magnetic hoops and other placement tools that, you know, provide solutions when somebody's in their embroidery room struggling to get an answer.
0: Awesome. Well, I, you pretty much answered the first question I always ask, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I mean, do you consider yourself first and foremost a sewist, a sewer, seamstress, crafter, omnicrafter, embroiderer? How do you introduce yourself when you're talking about who you are and what you do? I mean, obviously, you're going to publisher and we could go on and on.
1: Right. Yeah. So that's a good question. You know, I consider myself an enthusiast. I love embroidery. And I like quilting. I used to do a lot of garments. I've kind of moved away from that over time. But I I love the fiber world. You know, I like to feel the fabric. I love beautiful stitches and color is important in, you know, it makes me happy. And I like playing with it. So
0: not an uncommon theme in these interviews that I've had for sure. Tell us how you got into sewing to begin with. Like where what was your first memory of sewing? I, I've talked to so many people and I've actually been amazed. Sometimes that didn't originate in the family or in the home, but a lot of times it has. What's your story there?
1: Well, it's a pretty interesting story, actually. My mom sewed. So I remember I'm one of six daughters. We have no brothers. And I'm number three. So my mother sewed for us when we were very little. And then when baby, you know, four or five and six came along, she didn't really sew t- much anymore, although I do remember her making curtains, draperies, beautiful draperies for our home. But I never sewed. Fast forward to I was 27 and newly married with a house with windows that needed drapery. So I learned (laughs) to sew. (laughs) I found how expensive they were to buy, you know, custom. And I absolutely loved sewing. But at the same time, I was going through some personal struggles. I was battling alcohol addiction and I prayed for something to do with my hands.
0: That's fantastic. I didn't know if I knew that about you, but I, maybe I'm recalling a conversation that did your family own a
1: bar? My family owned a bar, okay, I, I, very popular bar at the Jersey Shore. So I have great memories of drinking <laughs> in a really, you know, fun place. But it didn't work out for me. Yeah. And so actually I've been sober since 1987. That's
0: fantastic. Yeah. I absolutely and so
1: Yeah, so that whole prayer was answered. And, you know, as they say, be careful what you pray for, right?
0: (laughs) For sure. So sewing helped you with that. Who helped you with sewing, though? Who helped you learn how to sew? And when you wanted to make those curtains for your new home, how did you go about learning? I mean, this is in 1987, I guess, and there wasn't an internet to refer to and YouTube videos. Where'd you go to learn to sew?
1: So I learned at a local dealership in Clifton Heights, Pennsylvania, Hayes Sewing. And today that Hayes Sewing is still in business. They've now moved to Delaware and they are also a family of all daughters and they have a very successful business. But I learned from the mother, Mary Hayes, and she, you know, taught me basic sewing. And then from there, I watched sewing with Nancy and Nancy Zeman really taught me how to sew on television.
0: That's fantastic. Well, I was going to ask you a little bit later on about other people in the industry that makers, sewists that may have had an impact on you and and what you've done in the business, but just in your own sewing journey. So, is Nancy that person for you? She she has certainly been the answer to this question for <laughs> numerous people that I have spoken with.
1: Yes, she she most certainly was. So I was. A, an avid learner under her and then a fan. And then later I began to be a a dear friend. We were very close. We uh, had the opportunity to appear on Selling with Nancy and she didn't know anything about embroidery at the time. So I really, you know, what opened that door for her and and we hit it off. She was a great mentor to me and a really good friend and, you know, someone I miss dearly for sure. Yeah, that, that's yeah, so cool. But, her. you know, you, you, the leader or the founder of Sulky, I mean, I have to give credos to Fred Drexler and Joyce Drexler. They were creating, really paving the way for many people who would eventually get into educating consumers. Mm-hmm. And they were so inspiring. I mean, Joyce was doing things with an embroidery machine that you know, or I mean, with a sewing machine that nobody really dreamed of. And then she turned that into the digital format, you know, of machine embroidery. And you know, so I always respected her work for sure.
0: Well, thank you for that. I definitely ingrained in our history is is educating consumers, and uh, for a long time, educating independent retailers on how to educate consumers. So yeah. It was an interesting time back then. So I have to ask you then, how did you go from sewing to machine embroidery? What was the trend? You know, how did how did that happen? Did you just see this machine and go, oh my gosh, I got to learn to use that thing? Or what was it?
1: Right. Yeah, well, so I fell into the sewing. I mean, just totally loved it. And then another sewing machine retailer in my area Eagle, Interstate in Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania, asked me to teach classes on how to make curtains. So I did. I started with Home Deck. And then they wanted a monthly club. So I kind of, you know, started doing that. And then the Janome 8000 came out on the market, which was in our area, the first combos, uh, home embroidery and sewing machine. And they asked me if I would teach a class on it. And I said, well, I don't know anything about it. And they said, oh, well, we have a lesson plan. So they gave me this lesson plan that I believe was created in Japan. And it <laughs> I was. Love, don't it, you
0: love those? Those are yeah, fun. <laughs>
1: and it was a casserole cover of which there were literally like 15 hours of embroidery in it. <laughs> After I was done, I was like, well, we're never putting any food in that casserole cover. But, you know. Um, I said, okay, I'm going to do this. And I um, kind of jumped in, taught myself, and I did this monthly club on home embroidery with their customers, and we all learned together, right? There wasn't much education out there. And then I took it upon myself to write a newsletter based on that machine, the Janome 8000.
0: And that was Designs and Machine Embroidery? You called it that, even at that time?
1: Well, it was time? called Creative News at the okay. time. okay. So, That was, and then when the 9,000 came out, uh, you know, now it was for the, but I didn't know anything about publishing or marketing or, you know, at the time. But after that, Janome then released those same machines under a different brand called Elna. And I was asked by Taconi Corporation in Missouri to come and teach at their dealer training on Elna. And I did. And that's where I met my partner of today in Dime, Gary Gardner. And we've been partners since 1998.
0: Well, I guess I didn't realize that's how the connection there yeah. happened. That's fantastic. It's impressive, too, to think about people, again, pre-YouTube, Google, and everything else that make information at our fingertips so easy. It's impressive to think about people learning how to use an embroidery machine on their own then. I mean, who did you go to to ask? Did you just poke around and push buttons until you figured it out? I mean.
1: And you know, you most certainly didn't know anything about stabilizer and there really was not a lot of products then, right? I don't know really Sulky's timing of releasing those products in the home market. I remember totally stable was (laughs) pretty much what I used for everything (laughs) at that time. Yeah, I
0: started in 94, Eileen, and uh, literally working in our warehouse. Mm-hmm. And we had four stabilizers uh, I believe in, in, in 1994. We had Totally Stable, Tear Easy, Sol-V, and Heat Away. Those were the four products that we were selling, and they were, uh, at that time, only being sold uh, through independent retailers. And then, of course, it was just a few years after that that they started being sold in some of the bigger chain stores, and the larger consumer base learned about them. Anyway, right to answer your question, (laughs) that was the timing. So it was pretty darn close to when you got into it.
1: That's right. That's right. It was just amazing, an amazing time. And then, you know, the Internet did fall into play, right? Information became more readily shared. And, you know, just like today, you know, there's a lot of poor information on the (laughs) Internet. And boy, back then it was worse in the embroidery world for sure.
0: Yeah, at least at least, though, in the early days you were getting information a lot of it published in the form of books and things of that nature that yeah. maybe you could trust a little bit more at least than
1: that's true. That's <laughs> that, that's true. if you
0: just search today, who knows who it is that's telling this stuff to you. Right.
1: But yeah. it was such a find to, you know, find a book like the sulky books and singers books on sewing, you know, was just if you could happenstance uh, to find them, it was amazing.
0: Just, yeah, it cracks me up to think of that as being lucky.
1: <laughs> I, what it was. I can remember, you know, going to I guess a quilt show in Lancaster and just diving into the bookstall. I don't even remember who the vendor was. And just, you know, like a kid in the candy shop because there just wasn't that much information. <laughs> I love written. that.
0: So how did you get then go? You met you met Gary. At the Taconi show, how did the magazine start or how, you know, what was the next step there?
1: Right. So at the time, so at Taconi, I had a vendor's booth and I was showing my newsletter and I also made templates of memory cards. So I would, you know, of each embroidery design that's on a memory card, I had a template with a stitched crosshair, and I reproduced them. I had a small manufacturer in my hometown in Pennsylvania do that for me. And that's what I was selling to dealers. And, you know, I'm, I'm a Jersey girl, right? And so I'm in my booth and it's full of all these embroidered samples and this young well, I guess my age gentleman comes into my booth and he he stands there and he goes, what is all this? <laughs> because he's from Texas. And I look at him like- When you said
0: that, I could literally see Gary saying it just like that.
1: Yeah. Well, we've been partners a long time. <laughs> and he, uh, oh my gosh, it was so funny. But, you know, and I looked at him- Because I'm a Jersey girl and thought, oh, what does he know about embroidery? Well, needless to say, I find out he owns the largest stock embroidery design company in the world at the time, which was Great Notions which was the uh, maker of amazing designs. And so we instantly connected and he said, well, this newsletter, we have to write a magazine together because, you know, I'm spending a fortune on advertising. We need to do this together. And both of us are very optimistic person. And we went, you know, like a high five, let's do it. (laughs) And we did. And had a competitor and which really just gave validation to the category and, you know, all rising tide lifts all boats, right?
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome. So switch gears on you a little bit from that business mode to what do you like to sew? You know, what is it that you like most to create? What is your favorite
1: thing? I would say quilts. Quilts and handbags are my two favorite things. Okay. And and when I say handbags, basically they're quilted handbags. So, you know, I lo- and I like to quilt with my embroidery machine. So I've learned uh, my first love was the actual quilting of, you know, of the three layers. And more recently, I've really embraced piecing, although I don't get to do it as much as I'd like. That's something I do in my personal time. Yeah, But I also do it as, that's a gift I would make someone. And I find that to be very prayerful. You know, you really concentrate and think of that person that you're making it for. It's almost like you've had the pleasure of spending time with them, mm. even though they're miles away. And so I think that's what gives me my greatest joy.
0: That's awesome. So the piecing that you're doing, I mean, because I'm always fascinated by in the hoop stuff, right? That's yeah. gotten so popular and there's so mm-hmm. many different types of things that people are making in the hoop. But the, the idea or thought of making a quilt in the embroidery hoop is super cool because there's such a big group of people out there that love to quilt. And there's another big group of people out there that like to sew or embroider and have an embroidery machine, but don't like to quilt or have never quilted Yeah, and to try to figure out a way to mesh those two people together. And it seems like you've kind of figured some of that out.
1: Yeah, well, you know, with the invention, of our magnetic hoop, you know, our snap hoop monster, it's really opened up the possibilities for people of what they can do with their embroidery machine. Because, you know, we love the machines that these manufacturers, you know, create for us. And each year or each new model has a larger sewing field. But the hoops, you know, bigger field, but not really a different process in how to hoop that fabric. But with a flat top uh, and a flat bottom, you can do so much more. So that has helped anybody who has an embroidery machine complete an entire quilt with their own hand. They don't need a long arm. They don't need to send it out to a long armer. It takes more hooping, you know. It's faster on a long arm, but it's also, it's digital, and you don't have to be able to learn free motion, which is, you know, a drawback for many. So, it's just been so much fun. It really
0: happens. That's super cool. How about the piecing side of it? Are you doing much in the hoop with the piecing? I do some
1: in the hoop, but, you know, really, I do it on a sewing machine. Okay. Because if you're going to do multiple blocks, that gets pretty tedious on an embroidery machine. Small projects are fun, but anything over a placemat, I'm probably going to sew together. On okay. a
0: machine. Well, you mentioned that part of your reason for doing that and, and the joy that you get in doing that is for making gifts, which is always something I like to talk about. On the podcast, yeah. handmade gifts, it's hard to, so, at least for someone in the industry, to put words to that when someone gives you a large quilt or some other yeah. thing, because we know how much time and energy and effort goes into mm-hmm. that. And man, you know, that must mean a lot if someone would spend that kind of time on you. But do you have anything in a... <laughs> I've, I've had this answered in funny ways, actually, some good, some bad. But any particular memories of giving a handmade gift to somebody that stand out in your mind?
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Okay, so we have to premise this and remember that to me, the gift is in the making, okay? It's almost a selfish task. It's almost a gift to me, even (laughs) though I'm handing it off to somebody else. Because I've had several different occasions where I've made quilts, you know... For a niece at a shower, and who held it up, and she absolutely loved it, and then turned it around and showed the back and said, I love this side. I <laughs> <the back." laughs> So okay, I get that. And then I had another one who. Oh my goodness. You know, my son actually did the same thing. (laughs) I went to visit him. And he knows better. I know. I went to visit him in college, and there's the quilt that I made him. You know, hung on the wall with two nails, but that's okay. I understand. No tools, right? But and (laughs) and it's backwards. It's and he's like, but I like that side. I'm like, yeah, okay, you do. Oh my. (laughs) The whole thing was a gift. So. Whatever side you want.
0: Whatever floats your boat, right?
1: Whatever floats your boat. That's
0: funny. Well, that, yeah. neither one of those is as bad as the one story I heard about someone giving a gift to somebody only to the next time they saw it, it was in the dog's bed as oh. the dog's blanket. <laughs> so oh, that's so there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah, I you have to, you know, there is not a, a full appreciation for the finished project, I, I would say, usually from the gifters. And then, and so, you know, so you kind of have to take that. You have to know that. And it's a risk that you take. And are you, is that going to be okay for you? That that could be the result. And if it is, make the quilt. And if it isn't, don't make a quilt. Give them a Pottery Barn gift card. Yeah, that's funny.
0: The way you said that is just like a gift to myself. And I can so relate to that. I am a home brewer and I like to make beer. And oftentimes I'm making the kind of beer that yeah most of my friends probably don't want to drink i like ipas mm-hmm. and you know they drink bud light it's like right. uh, they're not probably gonna like my ipas if they drink bud light but i'm gonna give it to them anyway yeah uh, and many times it's met with hmm yeah nah i don't really like this it's like yeah. uh, but i enjoyed making it for you so hey
1: that's right <laughs> and really that's the key. Gift, right. It's kind of like time you spent with them. You get to focus on them and think about it and you know, think about them. Yeah,
0: stuff, that thing. That's yeah. so cool. So I, I know and and you guys are so good at this, but you guys dime very <laughs> good at this. In your sewing, in your embroidery, in your quilting, what are some of the tools, some of the things that you just have to have? Like I can't have my sewing room unless I've got X. What are some of those? things for you? What are the most important gadgets, tools, notions that you use?
1: Yeah. Well, I would have to say definitely our magnetic hoops, really. If If I didn't use them, I probably would not have continued in embroidery because to me, hooping an inner and outer ring is very frustrating and it just is. So that and really my weightless quilter, which it's a floor frame that holds a quilt around the machine so that the quilt can just be swayed by the hoop, the pantograph. So you're not drag all that bundle of the quilt is not hanging off of the machine and dragging on the Poop. So those two things, I'm happy.
0: Yeah. That is a, an incredible little invention. I love that thing too. I just, this, yeah. I don't sew, but I watch people using that and think That is such a cool thing. What yeah. a neat, what a neat design and idea. I love that. So, Thank you. so how, you know, obviously in your life, and career sewing has presented you with many different opportunities you yep. I, mean, I guess the whole conversation is really doing this but can you sort of encapsulate that or put that into words what just sewing has meant in your life
1: well everything I mean it, it's changed my world I moved from Pennsylvania to Texas to pursue this business and grow it properly you know that Gary my partner and I could be in the same building and not try to do this long distance. Of course, fast forward 20 years where everybody's doing everything long distance, but it's taken me... Nothing all... like
0: face-to-face though, still.
1: Right, right. It's hard to work and grow a business um Far apart. It's taken me to Asia. I've, you know, had the pleasure of going to Thailand and China and Japan. It's put my children through college and supported my family. I was a single mom for many years. And, and that was a gift to be able to provide for everybody. And the people that I have met, the women and, and men, but my customer who I have traveled the country and had the pleasure of teaching for you know, many years, dozens, hundreds, and thousands probably of, of embroiderers. And I did that with my sister, Marie. We were the Stitching Sisters, and we did it for five or six years traveling the country. And to meet that customer, they are the kindest, most charitable people really in our universe. And it, it's just an honor and a pleasure to be a part of that world. You know, there are many mothers, and if not, they're caregivers of their own parent or sibling siblings, they are passionate about their hobby and they're just so giving and they want to continue to learn, which I think is what keeps us all young. Right, Jason? Yeah. You
0: know. Mm-hmm. I love hearing you say that. I, I, I tell people that all the time that I, I just, I, I don't know if it's, you know, you find yourself in a place and it becomes your life. This is the sewing world has been my life uh, right. for 28 years. Even though I'm not a sewer, I've been in that world. And I, you know, people would ask me, especially early on, I was a very young man. And you you do what? You're in yeah. what industry? And it's like, yeah, the sewing industry, you know, threads and embroidery and quilting, people still do that. And it's like, yeah, actually, some of the best people that I've ever met do that. And yeah. it, it is an industry full of just got to be the best people. And also on the business side, too, I mm. think some of the best people, I just can't imagine an industry with nicer people willing to to help and give and do for one another so yeah
1: i would agree with that in the, on the business side it's it's a generous industry people you know i make products that complement another company's products, right? Machines. And so, you know, we do all have to get along and I'm grateful that they treat Dime well and with respect and actually they sell our products. So, you know, that's been a blessing all along for sure. And, you know, and then the talent. Oh my, the talent Mm -hmm. in this industry, right? You know, some of the fabric designers and the free motion quilters and just the people with vision that bring these tools into our home. That like my husband works for a huge global company, and they do a lot of metallic coatings of mm. oil and aeronautical parts. Right? right. He looks at my embroidery machine, and he cannot believe that technology is in our house. You Isn't know, that crazy. Yeah, because, I mean, we're really advanced. It's, it's wonderful.
0: I want to dig into something you said there, though, a little bit. And I wonder if, you know, so much of the success, especially in an industry that's dominated by women, by very strong, smart, educated, talented women, predominantly, if we're just being honest, that, that drives our business from the consumer side and the business side, quite frankly, is what allowed them to do that rooted do you think, in the confidence that they gained through the thing that they do, sewing? You know, how much did that play a part in their ability to be successful just in general terms, not just in sewing? They chose sewing because it happens to also be their passion, but did the confidence that they gained learning to create with a sewing machine or a cross-stitching or hand-sewing or whatever kind of sewing it was, is that at the core of it, you think?
1: I think so. You know, I I always called sewing a solitary sport. It's something that you do on your own and you have to uh, hone that craft and your skills all by yourself. And so it's very rewarding when you are able to accomplish a task in your sewing room that you've been trying to, maybe it's perfect points. Maybe it's free motioning a leaf. Maybe it's drawing a leaf that you're then going to digitize. But once you do that, you then most certainly have the confidence to stand up almost in front of anybody who's willing to listen because, you know, they don't don't really care. Right. (laughs) And, you know, you're a rock star in that room because other people understand the challenges that they're going through so they can relate to your own challenges. And if you can stand up there and you can hold your sample, let's call it a sample, gives you great confidence. You know, it's proof. The proof is in the pudding and you are holding it. So I think that's what gives a lot of us encouragement to succeed and just try. Yeah,
0: I I definitely think that's somewhere at the heart of all of these successful people that have turned a hobby, if you will, into a business and a very successful one at that.
1: And there Uh, might be something in the, the thought like, You know, in so many other fields, there is, you know, women maybe are told you can't be this or you can't do that. I mean, things are changing for sure today. But in that arena, you can do whatever Mm. it is you want to set your goals. So, you know, that encouragement has always been there,
0: I believe. That's an interesting perspective. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it in that way in particular. But yeah, it makes complete sense to me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Is there something that you've always wanted to sew? I mean, you kind of maybe you can answer this one already. You've been ahead of me here, Eileen. Throwing me some curveballs. <laughs> is there is there something that you've always wanted to try in the sewing world that you have yet to try or do that's kind of on your sewing bucket list?
1: Hmm. Well, a Lone Star quilt. And and I tried and it's not so good. So I do design fabric and I designed a Lone Star quilt panel so I didn't have to piece it. But i want to be able to quilt it. So that's a lot of fun. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I think maybe when I retire, maybe I would take the time to take a class from someone who could really teach me proper piecing and, you know, getting those points to match and all of that. Because, oh, so much that I do. You just have to, you know, you're on a deadline and you just fly through it. And, you know, as Nancy would say, just put your thumb there. They'll never know there's a mistake underneath. <laughs> um, so. There's a lot of thumbs. It my must work.
0: be it must be really hard to make a Lone Star quilt if I'm hearing you say that's a tough task.
1: Yeah, well, and it well it was for me. I failed so <laughs>
0: <laughs> What are you sewing right now? What are you working on right um, now? Um,
1: handbags right now I'm working on handbags. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's a cut and sew panel that I designed. And it's really fun for me to be able to play with that and design each fabric and then digitize the quilting. And you know, there's lots of steps involved. It's pretty complicated. But for the consumer, when she, if she purchases that product and makes that handbag, it's full solution for her. So it's the challenging part was Omaya and the design. So she'll have a good experience
0: love it. I love what you do to help consumers be successful in this hobby. It's good for everybody, for sure. So when you're not sewing, what else might we find Eileen being interested in? What, what, are, what are some of your other activities, hobbies? What would you be posting about on social media that you do?
1: Mm. I love to cook. I love to cook. I was a caterer in an earlier life. So I have some years of, you know, doing that as a business and and a career, not real long, just about five years, but I really do love to cook and I'm an avid reader. I like to walk, you know, which doesn't sound very exciting, but a good hour walk every day is enjoyable for me and travel. We have something we haven't been able to do recently, but, you know, touring the country with my sister was a lot of fun and we tried to, you know, take advantage of those trips and see something in whatever town we were visiting. And I've been to Europe several times and would like to go back and spend some more time there for sure. i, I hoping to, you know, retire you know, on, on the water somewhere. And Nice. Um, that probably won't be Dallas, Texas, because there's <laughs> no water here. <laughs> but.
0: Yeah, you well, Hmm. Yeah, I love that aspect. My mentor, Fred, certainly uh, taught me how to enjoy traveling while working. You know. Yes. It's like you know, if you got to work all the time or you got to be on the road, find something interesting about it. Cool. Right. Check out the local, the local scene. Whatever's. Neat and different, or, or or known in that area. Yeah. So I, I love hearing you say that, and that you've you
1: really to that. have a great mentor in Fred Drexler, uh, Jason. I I I've personally watched you blossom. On <laughs> the you know, as you said, you were a very young man when you first came into it, and and Fred, I I know many of the of your listeners probably knew Fred, meeting him at trade shows and so forth. And you know, if Fred had nothing else, he had the warmest handshake and. In the building
0: the best hugs I, I hear hugs, yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna say I've ever hugged him right.
1: <laughs> but his handshake he just kind of had a very large paw and you know he would because he would, oh, I'm always called in those trade shows but anyway <laughs> I love it that's my fondest <laughs> memory of yeah well,
0: I always try to end the podcast with this one question that I don't know if it's more of a statement or a question, but I kind of always said that, you know, as an industry, we aren't selling notions and, you know, embroidery hoops and threads and stabilizers, but really what we're selling is the this- we talked about it earlier, but this feeling of accomplishment and satisfaction that comes from creating—would you agree with that? And 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 if so, you know, how has that just that idea shaped how you approach your sewing journey and and your business?
1: You know, I I really feel like we sell confidence because dime. You know, I want my customer to be confident that the project she's working on is she's going to complete and be satisfied with it. So that's always my goal here at Dime is to make sure her experience of making that project is going to make her a better embroiderer and more confident for her next project. And, you know, I just feel so blessed that we're able to share in this, in a small way to enhance someone's days and time in their sewing room, their embroidery studio, enjoying this great craft because we're all really, it's an Mm -hmm. honor and blessing to be a part of it. It's quite fun.
0: Yeah. What a blessing it is to sell a product that people seek out and desire and not something that they have to have, right? Right. It's not like we're selling toothpaste or dishwashing liquid,
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. And and there's lots of ways people can spend their time. So I'm always thrilled to know that they're choosing to embroider.
0: Absolutely.
1: And yeah. I want them to keep doing that.
0: For sure. So I really have enjoyed talking to you and, and hearing your journey and and, and especially uh, because for me personally and, and in my life and family, uh, hearing how sewing has brought sobriety to your life is uh, is especially cool. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being on the podcast today. It's good to see your face. I know that our, our customers and our listeners can't see you, but it's good to see your face.
1: Yeah, I don't think I've smiled this much in an hour in a long time, Jason. <laughs> always great to visit with you, and I thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, so if the listeners want to learn more about you and about Dime, is the best place at now shop.dzgns.com. That's right, that's so right. s h o shop.dzgns.com s.com and you can find out
1: yeah from there you can find us uh, link to us on facebook and youtube and we have a blog and so yeah i'd love to connect with all of the listeners today well
0: thank you again eileen and i look forward to seeing you somewhere on the road here in the near future
1: i hope so jason stay healthy and be well
0: you do the same you take care Thank you for listening to Why Sew with Sulky. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and join us again for more fun stories that are sure to inspire your creativity. You can find more info and links for today's episode at sewingonline.sulky.com.